Are you a student about to write your first resume? Or are you a parent helping your student write their first resume, but it's been a while since you've written one yourself? Well, then this episode is for you. My name is Naka, and on this episode of Hashtag Prepped, we are joined by a returning guest from the West Coast, Brendan O'Flaherty of HS2 Academy. Brendan last joined us for our college interview episode, and now he's back to help us structure our resumes and help us with some tips and tricks to make them stand out. Brendan, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again, Naka. All right. So in the process of holistic review, colleges take into consideration kind of broadly your test scores, letters of recommendation, and college essay and resume. So while there are varying requirements from school to school, almost every college requires some form of resume, though some may be as unofficial as like a list of activities that the Common App allows you to uh, submit. So what is the purpose of the resume in college admissions and how is it different from like a professional resume? I'd start by saying that a resume is a very good tool for collecting thoughts, especially at first. So I know the, the, the age and the grade level that most, uh, most test taker students are, but for the students who skew younger, they might not have a full resume or one that's necessarily worth bragging about, but it's nice to already have it, if anything, to encourage you to do more. To, to, to kind of force yourself or have this visual driver to, to get you doing more volunteering and extracurriculars. As far as how it plays into college admissions, you nailed it with a lot of it is already going to go into whether you're doing the Common App or I'm out here on the West Coast, so the UC app, or if you unfortunately have to do the Coalition app, they have spaces where you are going to write at length about these extracurriculars. But they they make you put them into different categories that you might not want to put certain activities in, or you might have um, something like I know uh, we were talking earlier, like a marathon you ran, a very specific case that might not fit cleanly in, into it. And that would be um, a good reason to have, or a handful of reasons to have a, a resume. As far as how it's different from a professional resume, I think that's going to be a bulk of this podcast. Awesome. Well, what I really like that you said there is that for our younger students or parents with younger children, using like a resume or at least keeping track of the activities is a good kind of barometer, a good benchmark of, hey, do I need to do more activities or how involved am I in my school? So like a ninth grader who doesn't have so many activities, hey, this is a good kind of, you're being called out on, hey, you need to do a little bit more just to kind of fill this resume Right. And I I don't want to, shouldn't make uh, students feel bad. I have to do the same thing. I mean, I, you know, as a professional looking at your resume is like, you know, what languages are you adding? If you're into computer science, what programming languages, like when's the last time you were doing some significant volunteering and another, you know, mistake I've made that I I encourage my students is it's not, it is a living document. I, I encourage all my students at whatever level uh, once you make that template, and that's usually the hardest part is getting started, which we'll talk about. Um, once you have that template, like keep it on your desktop, keep it in view. Don't put it inside of a folder, inside of a folder, inside of a folder, because you should be adding to it every semester as you get new classes, as your GPA is updated, as your clubs are doing more engaging things, as you're getting awards and trying out different sports, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's it's a great driver, but it only works in that way if you remember it's a living document. It's 
always got to be there in your periphery reminding you, hey, not only do more, but when you do do those things, like, hello, update me. So while a resume is a reflection of kind of who you are on paper, ultimately the beauty of your resume is in the eyes of the beholder. So who is reading these college resumes out there? Uh, I think at the, at the highest levels, you know, in the most competitive schools, you're going to have a chance to give your resumes to a person. Um, the, the most competitive schools, they, they have interview stages and you're going to hand them a physical resume. And it just, it looks professional. It's another way to remind them of all the awesome things you've done in high school. So, so that's, that's, one category, probably the most important category, but it, it is not going to be for all our students. Um, as far as the applications, all applications that I'm aware of have a way to attach it, uh, a resume as kind of an other file. And the reason they, they kind of put it at the end as an attachment, they make it optional. It's because a lot of that is going on your application, which goes back to what I opened with when I said, uh, you know, it's a it's a good place to to uh, the resume is a good way to drive you to do more, but also to to have your thoughts laid out. So when you're filling out these applications, you can almost copy and paste from it. Again, there's going to be certain activities, uh, certain uh, extracurriculars that won't fit neatly into an application, and and that's an excellent place where again you send that resume. It's cleaner, reminds everyone your name, how to contact you, and it's all there in one spot. So let's talk about our resumes in the context of kind of the SAT, ACT testing field, and that many of these colleges are going uh, kind of test optional, which has resulted in more students applying to these colleges. Like Cornell was kind of swamped with applications. It increased from about 50,000 a year to about 71,000 uh, in terms of applications. So these readers, they're seeing more resumes. Therefore, they have a little bit less time there. So since there is far less time per resume and the resumes need to be as impactful as possible at first glance, let's talk about the cosmetics of a college essay. Right. So right off the bat, name up top, uh, centered, bolded, the largest font of the, the many different font sizes you're going to have on a resume. They, you want to remind them immediately, make it clear who you are and how to contact you. So right below that, you're going to have your email, your, the best number to reach you, uh, hopefully a professional email, right? One that uh, has your name and some combination of numbers in case you have a relatively common name. So that's going to be what's up top. You can find great templates through word processors uh, online. You want it to be relatively muted, right? You want it to be relatively simple because it's really all about extracurriculars themselves. Um, that said, you know, there are, if you are a creative type, if your resume is very heavy in arts, computer graphics, there is something to be said for, for doing something special there where it is a little bit more artsy. But for our students who are interested in STEM, business, finance, some just the social sciences uh, when they're applying to schools and keep it muted and keep it straightforward, uh, especially at the top. Name, email, phone number. So what are your thoughts on the objective statement? For many professionals, when they send in their resume, they kind of have to put an objective statement, I am applying for this position for this reason. And then it follows their resume. But for colleges, 
I've seen students put, hey, my objective is I want to go to this college. Right. Yeah. Um, don't do it. Uh, professionals, again, that's one of the, the big differences. And we'll talk about another one here in a second when we talk about the length of the resume. Um, but no, don't do it. It's going as an attachment for something like the Common App. It's going to an attachment that's many different schools. So you're not going to have a chance to specify to each school why you want to go there. Right. And if you can't say specifically, uh, you know, why you want to go to that school for that major because of this program, blah, 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 then it is going to be so vague. It's worthless. Oh, my objective is to get into school. Well, well, duh, you just filled out the common app. You just wrote a bunch (laughs) of essays. So, yeah, definitely leave that out. And another reason is, and I'll get right into it, because we only have about two pages. Now, with professional ones, when you're in college, right out of college, um, most resumes are just going to be a page because we really just want to see where have you worked, what are kind of really, really impactful moments of your education, really, really impactful activities or skills. With high school, it is going to be longer. Some people argue about that in in my field, but two pages is fine. Kind of think of it as one page front and back because you are going to talk uh in depth about the classes you've taken that are related to, to your majors or your interests, you know, things like GPA, a list of clubs kind of in order of impact, right? How much leadership you had, how, how long you were in those clubs and how related to your major skills, languages. And so we allow two pages that said for, for a competitive student, still not a lot of space. We don't want that to be taken up by a vague objective statement, whatever that might be. When it comes to the organization of the content, what would be the order in which you would structure your resume? So you have your header. Mm -hmm. Don't do your objective statement. How do we get into it? Education, right? For for high school, that's going to be a bulk of it. The school you go to, um, and you'll find different recommendations based off different templates. It's really style. It's whatever you're comfortable presenting you know, reach out to trade it with friends, trade it with family, see if they have recommendations. But, you know, after you say high school, maybe you want to say the address or where, if it's not immediately clear, um, you know, the school on the West Coast isn't going to know about your high school on the East Coast. So you might want to just give them the address, GPA, and then whether that GPA is weighted or unweighted. Again, there's some wiggle room there. If you don't have the strongest GPA, there are ways uh, around presenting that information. But most most high school resumes are going to present GPA. So that would be uh, it for the basics of education. Uh, take it, putting your most competitive classes, IB classes, AP classes, maybe honors if they're related to your major. Um, nice. We, we can't list all your classes. Doesn't really help us. These schools are getting your transcript. So again, the, the, the classes that are most impactful to you and what you might want to major in. And then you're slowly moving away from school. So the next thing would be extracurriculars for a lot of students, right? So that'd be the next. You have education, school, maybe address, GPA, maybe some impactful classes. Then extracurriculars. Uh, Most students is going to open up with clubs, then sports, and then slow music. A lot of that is happening under the roof of the school. So it's, it's fine to open up with that, but then it can slowly drift away. You know, what are you doing outside of the classroom that is taking up a lot of your time constructively, right? And that can be individual sports, individual music. It can be 
hobbies, but hopefully hobbies that you've produced through. So where you, you know, maybe like origami, but you have like an origami Instagram page and you've entered competitions, right? We want to be able to write uh, some substance after it. Um, then another headline would be community service. Very important for getting schools. Most high schools require it. It's nice to have it as a kind of separate category. Again, we want the most impactful stuff. If you just went four hours to help, um, you know, for COVID testing, that's phenomenal. I'm glad you did it, but it, it might not make its place into the resume. Uh, just like we don't want every extracurricular. We want the ones where you had leadership, you did it for a number of years, or if it was just a year for many, many hours. And again, something that's meaningful to you or your major. So after community service, awards and honors is a nice uh, section to have. There, you should keep it pretty concise because you should have already mentioned the activities. So now you're just mentioning the awards at that activity. You can combine them. And if you talk about violin, as an activity, how many years you've done it, who you do it through, maybe the school orchestra, maybe in an outside school orchestra. It, I, I could see you folding into that description some awards. I recommend having a separate place for awards or honors. Uh, again, which ones you share depend on how many you have. If you have many awards and honors, something like an attendance award for never missing a day of school isn't going to make it. If you don't have many, throw it on there. Again, we can always get rid of it later. And then from there, you're going to get many different recommendations based off templates. But some good ideas are like additional skills. Right? So if you have like particularly fast typing, if you have any proficiencies in computer languages or programs, uh, again, it depends on what your resume is for. If it's like an acting resume, you might want to tell them that you can ride horses and fence. Again, you're, it's going to be very malleable based off of who you're sending it to. But for colleges, obviously, anything that's academic and academic skill, tools you can use in the classroom put there. Languages is a classic one. What languages are you? Uh, can you speak? Uh, traditionally, are you fluent? Are you proficient? beginner or intermediate, uh, you put after the language. So I might say English, Spanish, fluent, and then say like German, beginner, right? Um, and then interests is, is one that doesn't show up on a professional resume, fine on a high school resume. You know, you might do things where you haven't won awards, you haven't done it, uh, produced through it. But it still means a lot to you. Reading is a classic one. You know, if you like to read, it doesn't really fall in extracurriculars because there's no reading competitions. There's no like you're not going to make a reading TikTok or maybe you do. Actually, that sounds kind of cool. But <laughs> it's, it's it's for like things that that are fun and meaningful to you that might spark a conversation down the road and give these schools a fuller picture of who you are. Snowboarding, surfing, cooking, reading, debate, politics, that sort of thing. Actually, Brendan, to go full circle on your previous episode when we were talking about the interview, I do remember you mentioning, hey, if you do have a resume, these could be the possible talking points that will come up in an interview later on. So there if any you go. Go back and listen to that phenomenal episode. <laughs> good good, good uh, way to harken back to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, again, without repeating myself too much, after the, after the education, extracurriculars, the community service and awards and honors, what comes after that is going to largely depend on how much you filled beforehand. You have 
two pages to play around with, maybe more if you've done a lot. So you can see that if you have a ton of extracurriculars, a ton of community service, you might not have the space for interest. You're going to just have to hope that your most important interests fell under extracurriculars or that um, it just comes up naturally, whether it is interviews or on your on your essays that you're writing these schools. So, Brendan, what are your thoughts on embellishing in a resume? It is inevitable. Um, I call it polishing a turd at times. We are using this resume to highlight the best things about us. If you are a student who's going to have to fill a little bit, you don't have tons of activities, you are going to be writing about things that don't highlight a lot of leadership, don't highlight a lot of activity. We're going to want to kind of hide some of that with our language. And yeah, embellish might not be the best word, but but crank up the language a little bit. It starts with verbs, for instance. Too many students use the same verbs over and over and over again. And it it's repetitive. It looks bad. And to, to bleed over a little bit to when you're professional, some jobs are looking at resumes using algorithms searching for words. So you are going to want to diversify your words. You know, instead of say like, I talk to a lot of people, like, do you address them? Do you advertise? Are you arbitrating? Are you arranging things? Are you articulating? Are you, I mean, can go on for days with synonyms. And that would be in a way kind of embellishing. If you just speak up every once in a while at a meeting, you know, how, what are you comfortable saying about that? Have you, do you feel like you've talked enough to enough people to say that you lead meetings? I'm not going to say that's lying or embellishing, but if you've done it a few times, we're kind of being purposefully vague. You've done it a few times. Why not say you lead meetings? No, not occasionally, not all the time. You're leaving that information out. Now, if they ask, somebody comes to you, especially in an interview, and say, well, how often are you leaving meetings? That is not the time to lie. But it is about being careful with your words. Actually, Brendan, I do have a very specific pro tip. This is kind of, I think, for professionals. But uh, when you said about choose your words carefully, there was a criteria that asked for being proficient in Microsoft Excel, right? And on the resume, it said it was very good at Excel, right? While that is not the same language, one little kind of hack that you can do is if you see a job description that asks for something specific, you can kind of almost copy paste those so that when you go to present it, hey, they know you've done their research and hey, this is exactly what they're looking for because they were looking for someone who is proficient in Microsoft Excel and it shows up right there. Right. So we are getting to a point where I don't want to scare away students. First, make a resume, put in everything there. Don't worry about how it looks. Just get everything out there, make it, treat it like a living document. When it's coming time to present, yes, that's the type of research you should be doing. You want to get rid of vague words uh, unless you're using these vague words to kind of hide that you might have not participated at the level you should. Uh, You're also going to want to get rid of words that are, uh, you know, words like tries, you know, or loves. Right. You want words like advises, compiles, critiques, motivates. You're going to be using a thesaurus a lot. And again, there's great resources online that are basically lists of action words. And um, with those, don't just use the action words and say, oh, I advise people. 
how many people, right? If it's only two or three at a really small club, maybe leave that number out. If it's 15, 20, 40, 50, say that. Say you advise 40 students at the club. You oversee 38 underclassmen. You know, don't say, oh, we raised money. How much money? Now, if it was $35, maybe leave that out, right? We're not lying, but is $35 worth specifically bragging about? No, I would say it looks better just to say you raised money for whatever cause through this club. You raised $2,500. Uh, write that down, please. You know, if your club as, as vice president went from 15 to 30, you can say you increased the club by 15 students. It's also not wrong to say you doubled the size of the club or it grew by 200% under your leadership, right? So that's the that's kind of that next step is about and polishing the stuff that's not great. So it looks great either through more impactful words or being purposefully vague. And then the, the activities that are phenomenal, that should stand out, make sure, you know, they punch, make sure they're using a bunch of, you're using a bunch of different verbs when you're explaining it and make sure you're using numbers, 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 whenever you can. Fantastic. That That's very great and specific advice. I love that. Uh, Brent, are there any other like spicy tips that you have to kind of uh, make these resumes stand out? Uh, just to, to kind of go back to, to the beginning real quick about keeping it muted. I really believe in that. Uh, there's There's maybe five or six fonts you should be using. You can find these resources online, but obviously Times New Roman, Georgia, Ariel, don't Cambria. Yeah, Cambria. Absolutely. (laughs) Don't go crazy there. Avoid colors. You know, there are exceptions, of course, if you're a graphic artist or an artist, that's a different type of resume. Sure. Showing that you can have this impactful visual document is evidence that you are a great, let's say, graphic designer. But for all my STEM nerds, and I use that word lovingly, all my <laughs> finance nerds, all my social science nerds, etc., you know, it is a place to simply list the great things you've done, the, the cool, impactful things you've done in high school. Keep it muted. Keep it concise. And uh, yeah, use use different words. <laughs> Try to use as, as varied words. English is a rich language. Your document shouldn't be listing the same three or four verbs over and over again. And I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of links in the show notes to help our students there. Uh, so let's conclude our episode as we always do with a hashtag prep pro tip. Brendan, what you got? Treat the resume like a living document, especially if you're a younger student. Uh, the first step is making it. Second step is putting everything on there. The third step is keeping it up to date. Don't get lost in the weeds about everything we said towards the end of this podcast until you have a resume that's there on your desktop. You check in on it every few weeks as cool things happen. Once you have that living document, then you can worry about making it presentable. That's great. Uh, the advice I'd give is have someone proofread your your resume because, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan, yeah. when you were uh, back on the East Coast with us, you'd help me conduct so many interviews. And uh, one sticking out to me right now where it was an, a teacher candidate looking to teach English and under skills misspelled English. And that was yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, right. So uh, trade it with friends, tra- family, 
teachers that you trust, you know, you got a good relationship with your English teachers. Most adults have have a resume, have written a resume. They know how it's supposed to look like. But also, again, you know, younger siblings, just you want as many eyes on it to catch not just you underselling yourself, but also silly mistakes like saying the twice, uh, mistakes that are very easy to read over. Uh, Brennan, it was a pleasure to have you back on for another episode. And I think the next time we record an episode, you'll be on the East Coast, right? Yes, that is the plan. And the next one will be show number three. I don't know uh, if you have a leaderboard for for podcasts, but I hope to be climbing up it (laughs) in the the coming episodes. All right. So everybody sitting across from me, we have Brendan O'Flaherty of HS2 Education. My name is Naka, and this has been another episode of Hashtag Preps. (laughs) 